Indeed, Rosanna, Friday afternoon means Power Ballad on the panel, and Power Ballad will have to mean Toto, who created a musical firestorm with their anthem, Rosanna. No surprise to anyone listening to this that I'm a, um, a bit of a Toto fan. Uh, but for the musicians out there, it's highly regarded as uh, indicative of Jeff Beccaro's half-shuffle time, commonly known as the Rosanna Shuffle. Um, you, you'd align with me on this one, wouldn't you, Peter? There's nothing wrong with a little bit of Toto in your life every now and then. Well, that's the only way I ever went to Africa, I think, was uh, yeah. another one of their songs. Uh, you know, if it weren't for Eye of the Tiger, I think uh, this song of Rosanna would have been number one. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe true. Alan McElroy? What's the shuffle? <laughs> Huh. What's the show? Can I Google that? Save, What's it? The Toto Shuffle. Save it for your quiz nights, Alan, please. Uh, <laughs> and the Titanic. Yeah. By the way, the, yeah. Well, people have been talking about that as well. The Titanic actually had quite, quite. It's quite a good um, quiz um, question. The Titanic had four funnels, but one was for show. How I just that? said that. I told oh, you that. <laughs> Yeah, you ignored me and you said, no, that's ridiculous. I was correct. Did I? Did I really? Yeah. I... Yeah. Listen to it back. Listen to it back. <laughs> Press rewind. I apologize. I think you imagined that one, Alan. Yeah. yeah ah, it's exactly. it. You check it. I'll check it. I'll email it to you. Um, now, uh, can we please clarify that the Kiwis that were stuck in Iran uh, had been there for four months, well before our government suggested people should not go there? A fair point, but uh, some would say nonetheless. Uh, 24 to 5, the panel, RNZ National, Peter Field and Alan McElroy with me this afternoon. It's a massive weekend for rugby, but NZ Rugby is facing backlash for a scheduling bungle. The Black Ferns World Cup quarterfinal match played at the same time as the All Blacks test match against Japan on Saturday night. New Zealand Rugby has admitted it didn't consider the quarterfinal when it agreed to a fixture against Japan. With us is former Black Ferns player and ex-Labour MP Lewis Wall, who played 15 tests for the Black Ferns. Lewis, kia ora. Nice to have you on the programme. Kia ora, Wallace. It's lovely to join you, and I love Toto too. <laughs> Someone does. Thank you, Lewis. Now, um, Minister Kerry Allen called this, um, I mean, she didn't mince words, did she? Disgraceful and avoidable. What are your thoughts? Oh, she was right. It was avoidable uh, because we knew in May last year that if we made it through to the quarterfinals, we'd be playing in that um, particular time slot. 
And it seems some part of the organisation realised it was a conflict, but why they didn't talk to each other is beyond me and probably is what a review should identify. Why didn't they talk to one another? Why are we having two rugby, uh, New Zealand rugby teams um, on at the same time? It's not good for the public and it's obviously not good uh, in terms of what it, type of message it sends. Right. Yeah, because uh, Coach Wayne Smith, he said, look, uh, New Zealand Rugby has answered the question they stuffed up. Uh, who should people watch? Well, it's up to them. But do you say it's a little bit deep in that? It actually, the, the, the issue goes deeper. Well, it does because there shouldn't have been a choice. It should have been quite clear that we were going to watch the Black Ferns in a quarterfinal in Whangarei, uh, given New Zealand as the host. But you're right, we all have to move on. And at the end of the day, people will make choices. And some of those choices will be, do they have um, Spark Sport? Because you have to be a subscriber. Right, yeah. But then ultimately, it's going to be on TV3 from 8.30. And so if some of you have Sky, you can watch the All Blacks <laughs> and then watch the Black Ferns. So we're all being quite pragmatic. But the fundamental issue is why were there two New Zealand teams playing at the same time? Yep. That's uh, the question. Yes. Uh, now, in terms of, uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We've been sort of talking about this as we all have, uh, and has mentioned how, um, how do you say, innovating, exciting, energising that this cup has been. As a former player who's been on that field, played 15 tests, how do you think the cup has gone? Oh, it's been a fantastic showcase of rugby. And the fact that women are playing rugby to this calibre, I think um, has opened a lot of people's eyes. But we've always known, and when I say we, mm. that is the Black Ferns, um, we've always known that rugby purists have have never had an issue about women playing rugby. The people who have had an issue about women playing rugby are the, are the sexists and the misogynists, basically. Wallace. <laughs> mm. And what, what I'm pleased to say is New Zealand's becoming less sexist and less misogynist, um, and that people are starting to appreciate the skill that the women are starting to play rugby um, f- from a base of right. good coaching, professionalism, we're paid, we can, we can prepare and we can understand the game and play it to its, to its potential, which, which actually is entertainment and that's what we all love to see. And gosh, no, and haven't they delivered that uh, on the field and actually in the interviews and everything? Yeah, kia ora, yeah. Uh, Lewis. So, all right, uh, Peter, let's bring you in. I don't know if you've been following the World Cup yourself or, or what? Well, I, I actually, I don't know that anyone watches live TV anymore, but give, forget that. Um, I wonder if no one wants to watch uh, Japan thrash the boys anyway, right? Don't they lose all their games? <laughs> Everybody's going to watch the women and then, until Wayne Smith becomes the coach of the All Blacks, which we're all waiting for with bated breath. Hmm. Um, stay there, Louisa. Ellen, what about you? Have you been following the games? I haven't because I'm, I'm not invested. Our team isn't in there, but I have been following yep. the Football World Cup uh, and we're going to go over to Sydney to watch the Irish ladies play. So I've been, it's really exciting. It's going to be great fun. So, yeah, yep. I'm following that, yeah. You're heading over across. How, how are you expecting the Black Ferns to do uh, this weekend? Already played Wales' this tour- tournament, comfortably won. Oh, look, we will, but it's how we win. It's not about the margin. It's, you know, do we get the basics right? Do the girls understand their role? Can we set solid platforms? And the platforms are really the scrums and the lineouts. And rugby really is a game of momentum, Wallace, and we want a momentum that allows our backs to show the flair and the style and to score stunning tries, which everyone loves to see. Can we do it? Yes, we can. Um, but I'm also 
you know, realistic. We've come from quite a way back if we look yeah. at teams like France and, and England, and they really are the leaders in world rugby at the moment. Um, but one game at a time. So we have to make this one count, and then we can look forward to hopefully next weekend and going into a semi-final. Yes, and what I've also enjoyed, Lewis, is those teams that haven't had um, much ball time, if any, the likes of uh, Fiji, those nations being brought into the fray as well in this uh, in this tournament. Oh, absolutely, and I think there's more to come from the Pacific. There's a lot of talent. They need opportunities to play. And like all of us, with good preparation which means access to the, the resources to get us fit, um, to good coaching, a good ga- game plan. And we've seen it with Fijiana, actually. So them qualifying, I think, is just a step um, for them forward in terms of the 15s. But in the 7s space, they're really you know, top three in the world. Yeah, so that, They've made it in that space because of their pure... Extraordinary aim. Mm. Yeah. Well, Wallace, I assure you guys that there's plenty of sexism and misogyny in the United States, but it's interesting to note that women's rugby, especially in university sides, is much bigger than the men's rugby. Is it really? really, Yeah, it's very, very popular in the United States. Do do you you know that's the case, Louisa? Yeah, no, absolutely the case, because Mm. they receive scholarships. And and rugby is one of the sports that women have really... Um, invested in and there's a lot of um, opportunity to play cross varsity and when, when I first played I was amazed at like some of the the, the caliber of the women playing rugby to be honest astrophysicists wow. I remember is that right yeah. doctors yeah, my, my <laughs> wife was a star she was a star she was the uh, high scorer on a, on a champion side uh, oh is that right yeah. yeah she was a number 11 I think she believes still that there was no woman faster than her ever on a rugby pitch <laughs> but uh, <laughs> 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 oh, interesting, Peter. Yeah, kia ora. Uh, now, uh, before you go, Lewis, in terms of we talked last week actually about the um, the pathways uh, into sport for women, particularly around rugby, but not just rugby, uh, we uh, the issues around the statistics that uh, actually rugby for girls, it's rising and rising quite significantly, you know, 19% over across the year. Um, do you have any comment on the fact that those pathways need to be um, cemented a bit more than they are? So you can actually have a career if you want to? Well, we now have the opportunity, obviously, um, to be an international player, and we've got regular fixtures. So at a Blackferns level, they are paid. But in New Zealand, we have created that architecture through the Aukiki series, and we had the inaugural Aukiki series this year. It will continue next year. I'm hoping Moana Pacific um, joins that competition. And then the pathways... Um, you know, from playing as a five-year-old, really need to replicate mm. the opportunities that the boys have. And we need to have a secondary school competition that enables our girls to to play all the way through, from primary through to secondary, and then a very key transition from secondary school into the clubs, which is why we need a good club structure, which, you know, you know that's the framework that every provincial union in New Zealand is built upon. Um, we know we've got the skill and the talent and the people who love rugby because it is part of our DNA. Um, so I'm just hoping that uh, the schools and the school sports system um, continues to build those very clear transition points in the education system. Very interesting. We'll be following up on a couple of those points uh, next week, Louisa. But thanks for your time. appreciate you being on. No worries. Thanks, that- guys. That is uh, Lewis Sawar, uh, ex-MP, uh, of course, uh, but also a former Black Ferns player with, I think it was about 15 tests for the Black Ferns under her belt.
15 to 5, you're on the panel with me, uh, Alan McElroy and Peter Field uh, this afternoon. Now, pay councillors more, lower the voting age, single transferable vote, not first past the post, and take running elections away from councils. Just some of the ways suggested in what has been described as a radical shake-up in local government. An independent panel was set up uh, 18 months ago by the Minister of Local Government, Anaya Mahuta, to address issues like voter turnout and lack of diversity around council tables. It's called the uh, Future for Local Government Review, and the panel chairman is Jim Palmer. With me now, kia ora, Jim. Kia ora, Wallace. Now, 29 draft recommendations let's start with this one this one because it's one that has been really getting quite a bit of traction lowering the voting age to 16 why is this seen as part of a solution well uh, thanks for the opportunity to comment look uh, lowering the voting age to 16 is one of a raft of recommendations we've made as you as you've identified we we've engaged with youth Rangitaki across the nation, we had a, uh, we sought submissions, and nearly five thousand responded to us. And uh, the majority wanted to have uh, the opportunity to vote in local elections. We've also had submissions from other youth groups, Make It Sixteen, for example, and they provided some really compelling rationale. Um, and you know, they're motivated. They they're interested in issues. They. Uh, use a great deal of council services, whether it's pools, playgrounds, swimming ground, uh, right. pools and the like. The opportunity, they're, they're, they're interested and we think they've got a contribution and that's about broadening broadening the, the, the voter base and also um, giving them an opportunity to start getting a taste of being involved in uh, voting and right. Deciding their democratic rights. Yes, I've got well, a feeling can that, I, that. Can I jump in? Right sure, here? Peter. Yeah. And all right, let's let's talk some numbers then, Jim. You've done this work, so I guess what you're telling us then is the percentage turnout of 18 to 25 year olds is high, because if it turns out that the percentage of 18 to 25 year olds is lower than any other voting group, then lowering the voting age is meaningless. There's no point in doing it if even 18 year olds are voting in the lowest percentages. Answer that, thanks. Yeah, sure. Uh, look, um, uh, we we know, and what we've heard is that when people leave home, uh, they uh, their interest in voting and participating in elections with, um, is less less than uh, the population, and uh, on average, and that's that, that, that's accepted. Uh, we think one of the opportunities uh, most sixteen-year-olds are still in the family and starting to develop ho- uh, voting behaviours and habits. And once you've voted once. We're hoping that that may see them continue to vote. All right. Um, okay. Now, um, before we go to Alan, because there's, there's so many other interesting topics here, and can I just address one? We had a panel member on uh, a few months ago, uh, and she said on there, so she'll be okay with it. It was her name was Anna Dean. She considered council, then looked at the salary and decided she couldn't make it work. So you, you hear we had you know, a, 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 a younger person wanting to go into council. The salary is something, an issue that has to be addressed. Yeah, we think that that's one of the, one of the things that needs to be looked at to increase the, the ability of people to stand and be represented, particularly in smaller councils, rural councils, you know, to, uh, to give up your uh, role for three years um, you know, uh, 
at the moment, uh, they're not at a level. The remuneration is not at a level that enables that to happen. And so, uh, as an incentive to uh, and provide opportunity for more people to participate and get involved, uh, we think looking at the remuneration is a good thing to do. Forty grand, I think she said. Others uh, councils I've seen around in, in the twenties. Um, so you know, uh, not particularly high at all. Alan McElroy. Is it a full-time job, though? Is it, you know, full-time hours for 20 or 40 grand? Um, it, it varies. It varies across uh, the country and depending on the issues that councils face and some of the circumstances that councillors have. But many have told us uh, that they're doing more than a full-time job in discharging their responsibilities oh, as councillors. Can I bring up the issue, too, of doing away with first-past-the-post in local elections? Another recommendation. So putting in single transferable vote. What's the reasoning here? Yeah, again, uh, that's about uh, increasing uh, the, the pool of people who are standing in council. And the research that we've done uh, indicates that the, uh, if particularly in multiple ward um, multiple seat wards, so you have a number of people standing. Uh, using STV is likely to get a more diverse representation of your community standing in uh, in council and being successful as opposed to first past the post. So uh, this is about another mechanism to try and increase the diversity that sits around the council table, which we think is important. Very good, Jim. Kia ora. Thanks for your time. It's Jim Palmer, their panel chairman. Um, so, suite of re- reviews there. Where do you stand on uh, um, uh, uh, voting age? Alan, are you fine with um, lowering it or keeping it? Me? Yeah. Uh, I can imagine being frustrated as a 16-year-old not uh, not having your say heard. But also, and I'm not that much better now, I was an idiot at 16 and uh, I you. shouldn't be given... But at least you yeah, didn't I know, go to but Iran. I, 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 there's, a, yeah. there's a lot of what. Yeah, true. I'm not that bad, but uh, I don't know if 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 they want to vote, if they want to make a change, uh, and they make enough noise, then why not? It doesn't it doesn't bother me. I just know that I couldn't be trusted as as a 16 year old. <laughs> All right, uh, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but I actually wouldn't trust you either, Alan. So fair point. Anyway, nine to five. I... Yep. Yeah. Um, the panel are international. <laughs> now. Those heading out into the great outdoors as the weather starts to warm up are being reminded by authorities to properly prepare and to know your limits. Two people attempting the Tongariro Alpine Crossing had to call a rescue helicopter over the weekend after becoming exhausted. So what should you keep in mind before hitting the track? We thought this is a good one to talk about on the panel. Andy Roberts is with us, who's Doc's Visitor Safety Manager. Kia ora, Andy. Uh, Kia thanks. Pleasure. I can recall, I, I had a bit of a, not a scrape, but um, just, I, I we went up, is it Santana, the mountain uh, in the Nelson Lakes, uh, a yeah. day-long trek, uh, got to the top, and all of a sudden, I was really, really, really cold. And I yeah. stayed cold for hours, because it was so, it was Nelson, Andy. I didn't expect it to be so cold. And I really made a mistake by not preparing. How common is that scenario? Uh, look, that, that scenario is really, really common. Um, it's one thing to know that you're in Nelson, yes. but Nelson and uh, Tahunanui Beach 
and uh, Kaititi is one thing. Yeah. But um, Mount Robert um, yeah. and the top end of the Southern Alps and up at uh, four or 5,000 feet is a completely different thing. Um, and so, you know, New Zealand is this um, mountainous country um, uh, in the in the southern half of the of the uh, Pacific Ocean, you know, halfway between the equator and the pole, and we we um, you know we're not the balmy climes of Australia. We're a mountainous country um, in a windswept part of the world. So I, I, a different I, sort of place. I felt like I've got to confess, years ago, I felt like an idiot. The fact that uh, I'm climbing a mountain, why didn't I have a windbreaker? It was actually, but uh, Andy. I got down, of course, but um, these can turn into quite serious issues. Yeah, they are. And um, but the, the thing is, there's there's some really simple messages for for people out there, and it's really about getting prepared yeah. and choosing the right trip. And um, it, it's really easy to take a take an inst- an image out, out of an Instagram or a you know, something that's on a perfect day and it's sunny and there's blue skies. Everyone takes the photos on the great days. <laughs> yes. But the, the reality is, you know, it's it's a different sort of country. And so, um, yeah, that the message is quite, is quite different. It's really around preparedness and um, understanding what the weather's going to do. And there's a range of really simple things like that. Good point about the Instagram is tying it back to Instagramming because, you, you, Peter, you do only see that one um, curated photo, don't you, uh, uh, lying um, on a uh, cliff's side in the sun. Absolutely, oh, yeah, 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 totally. Look, it's that everyone goes for that money shot, the image shot, the lovely sunny day. And the the reality is, you know, if we went anywhere or most places around around our country today, it would be a bit grey and a bit windy and a bit wet. Um, and um, you know, that's that's what you've got to be prepared for. So Peter? you take those sunny days when you can. Oh, that's certainly true. Look, I, look, I worry about indoor adventures even so. So I, I try to keep track of things, but un- undoubtedly there are definitely things to do. Like don't hike alone on the whole. Go with someone else. Yes. Always let people know when you'll be out, and be prepared because you might, you might as well value your own life. Mm, Ellen, the scout motto. The scout motto: be prepared. Uh, yeah, the, like it's common sense, but even like as I said, my parents are over at the minute, and they're shocked at how quick the weather changes here one minute they're sweating the sun is warm the next minute they're freezing looking for a coat and that's that's not up a mountain like that's just sitting in a beer garden somewhere in a pub but the they've noticed that the, the weather changes so often yeah andy yeah look that that is that is the case it, it, we're in a changeable country uh, look those those ideas choose the right trip choose a trip that yeah that fits with your skills understand what the weather's doing, share your plans. They're absolutely key things to do. And uh, you have a much better chance of enjoying the experience, even if the weather does turn dodgy. Nice one, Andy. Thanks for your time. That's Andy Roberts there, uh, Doc's uh, Visitor Safety uh, Manager. I just wanted to sort of quickly go, go to this, um, get your thoughts. Mum of two refuses to switch seats on a plane so the family could sit together, saying, I'm not a villain. Marissa Friedman said a family of three wanted her to move from the allotted seat so they could be closer together because she had specifically booked this seat. The stubborn traveller politely denied their request. I'm not a villain for not moving 
moving from the seat in first class I paid full fare for. And I'm a mum, it's called planning ahead. And I wanted to go on the panel. What would you do, Alan McRoy, if you were there, you booked your ticket and a family came to you and said, Alan, well, they wouldn't know your name, would they? Alan, could you please move from your seat? What would you do? Uh, of course I wouldn't move unless they were going to offer me a better seat, you know. But uh, if she booked it, I, if I pay for a flight, if I pay for a seat, that's my seat. I always have to sit on the aisle seat, so that's what I'll do no But they're a family. What. They're a family. Yeah, well, they, Exper- well that's their job. They, that's their problem. They should have booked a seat. You know wow. what I mean? Like, but you wow. see, other people they book they book an oil seat and they book a window seat and they hope that no one is going to sit in the middle. You know, I'm so not they can lie next down. To you on a flight, that's for sure. Yeah, entitled. Uh, how, how, you weren't even welcome. Nah. <laughs> it's it's just the way it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's your seat. Why would you let someone else have your seat, Peter? No, of course. But look, I have to be honest with you. I gave up as soon as I read the fine print, which said this was a fight in first class. I've never flown uh, first yeah. class. These are first class entitled people. Hell with them. Whoa. Oh, you got to try it. It's great. Oh. Never done it. I gave up as soon as I read first class. I said, "Oh no, this is a tempest in a teapot." Never, we, never, we live in steerage. We deal with things. I, I've never tried first class either. What's it like, Ellen McElroy? <laughs> it is life changing. You'll never be happy flying again. What it's happens? Lovely. And what they give ha- you they give you whiskey in a glass, and you use cutlery. <laughs> None of that plastic wooden stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> and you can lie down. Wallace, we've missed out, buddy. <sighs> The Quizmaster does it again. First class all the way for Comedian Alan. Peter, Alan, you've been wonderful this afternoon. I'm going out on a boom on a Friday. Toto's Rosanna. I'm Wallace Chapman. A big thank you to Charlie Dreven, my producer. 